0: it's outsider energy and Mm -hmm. like going with almost the humor of it
1: yeah exactly i mean doing what doja cat's doing it's being like you said i'm a witch cool i'm a witch let's go full
0: hey streamers and dreamers i'm Otto kent and you're now locked into the week by telecom electronic beats it's thursday september 14th and this is your weekly update on music culture and what's next Playing with the devil and symbols of the occult has gained artists a lot of attention. Religious leaders and underslept parent groups have been accusing popular musicians as being devil worshipers long before rock and roll. The internet and our new age of conspiracy theories have only added more fuel to that fire. In recent years, we've seen musicians flip the script for themselves using social media, fashion collabs, and influencers to provoke their haters. Lil Nas X launched a controversial pair of satanic Nike Air Max 97s. Doja Cat just transformed herself into a sleep paralysis creature in her new music video, Demon. And given how trendy imagery of the occult is, those artists use it all to their advantage. But there is more to this than just going viral with sensationalism. Open up TikTok or hit the right Club Night and you'll see Gen Z covered in clothes, tattoos and jewelry, remixing impious sigilism in with their Diesel and BB fits. And the spell doesn't stop there. Monsters, devils, and heathens are also invading the songs, album art, and performances of a new generation of hyperpop acts and DJs, a lot of them queer identified. To talk about all the hubbub on the woo woo, I asked the mystic creature herself, the artist Saracen from the UK, to join me in the studio. She's part of a vibrant scene of musicians, artists, writers, and performers who have woven the ancient folklore of Northern England and Wales into their art. She's here with me to debunk and demystify why queer people identify with witchery, the sounds of transmutation, and occulting pop music. Well, thanks for making some time in the studio with us today to talk about a really uh, fun subject. Mm. <laughs> which is satanism <laughs> <laughs>
1: straight off the bat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on cyber sigilism tattoos?
1: Uh, I don't know. I was when I first when they first started appearing and no one really knew what they were, it was just kind of like the next step of tribal tattoos basically. It's it's so people can get tribal tattoos still and not be kind of canceled for cultural appropriation, it seemed. But there there is something really cool aesthetically about them. Um but I think they're already starting to look a bit dated. For sure, which I love. <laughs> but are they the first like TikTok tattoo? Ooh.
0: I feel like I only know about cyber sigilism tattoos because of TikTok.
1: I don't know. I think because I mean sticking like kind of bisexual stick and poke tattoos have been around for however long, I don't know. And True. they they were sort of like pre pre that, I think.
0: I guess it's more the name for me, which mm. is why we're bringing it up at all because it has this word sigilism in it. And then this word cyber, which to me is kind of like the perfect way to sum up the topic of today, which is like uh, cyber culture, social media, the way in which like uh, marginalized communities in, in the art space are like sharing all this information that is non-Christian mm-hmm. or like non-traditionally available, uh, researched stuff. <laughs> You know, yeah. unless your mom's a witch.
1: <laughs> which, I mean, to be fair, in Bristol is, is more common than, than you'd think. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And then, yeah,
0: sigilism, which is this idea of, like, bringing all of these symbols that are very, very old, often sometimes are tattoos and people have no idea what they mean, <laughs> uh, into, like, the popular culture, the mainstream culture, the queer culture in music, dance music, fashion. Mm-hmm. And... I think you're the perfect person to chat about this because the last time I saw you perform, there was a freaking fable in the middle of the performance. A satanic sounding, not actually, but, you know, it got a little dark there.
1: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, my boyfriend helped me um, record it. It's basically a poem that he wrote about being swallowed by a whale. Um, But it's kind of, it's taken from all these sort of different research points of um, James Bartley, this 17th century sailor um, who was supposedly eaten by a whale and his flesh got like bleached white by the belly acid of the whale and he was found afterwards alive. But no one really knows how true it is. There's like excerpts from uh, 20,000 Leagues Beneath the Sea. There's little bits from Jonah and the Whale. There's all these, and like Moby Dick, it's sort of a, a culmination of all these sort of like old whale tales. Coming together to oh this my God, really juicy, bubbly,
0: like disgusting. <laughs> and were you <laughs> in a thong while you're doing that performance? Uh, nearly always. <laughs> okay, so whale tail, fully one hundred percent. Love it. Cyber sigil,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and also, I think I just got my um, my newest tattoo, which is a little bit cyber sigilistic. <laughs> Fantastic!
0: I love it. We'll have to get a pick for for the oh, for the playlist. So. Have you been following any of the latest on Doja Cat <laughs> and her deciding to come out as a demon and use a lot of, like,
1: yeah, satanic Bits or... Bits bobs. I mean, <clears throat> I really love her. And, I like, it seems so obvious to me that she's, like, trolling everyone. Because she, she shaved her head, she shaved her eyebrows, and everyone was like, oh, my God, Doja's fallen off. And so she's taking that and running with it to, like, the nth degree. And just, like... Like yeah, people saying that she's a satanist when she hasn't made any of those remarks herself, and she's like, "Okay, cool. Now I'm a satanist." And she like paints her full body jet black and is like crawling around on the ceiling of this random woman. It's incredible. I think it's just like it's theater. It's really fun. It's full pulp culture, but like pe- people don't seem to be getting it. People are really really worried.
0: I think that it might be a trend in in popular culture and popular music the the use of like pagan imagery and anti-christian in- imagery as like a career shifting moment for people Ooh, to like get yeah. away from they're wherever they've been pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. Like Doja, for example, had this big hit, even though she, I don't think that that was her trajectory. <laughs> there was this one song that sounds like it would be played at a wedding, it was super popular. And then, the all say this, so or the other one. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, like the videos of her performing it where she absolutely hates being there <laughs> just hysterical. I love
0: it. So I think that's like the opposite side of the coin of mm-hmm. w- what you do when you reference, like, uh, any pagan imagery or folklore. This is something that's truly a part of your world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think especially because of where I grew up, that sort of imagery is just kind of is there anyway. So it's like whether it was an intentional uh, move to kind of use that sort of um, aesthetic or the the kind of like the symbols of that world, um, could you
0: explain a little bit about where you're from? And like, especially uh, I've read a little bit about like raving around artifacts.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because so I'm from Devon in the um, southwest of the UK. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of Neolithic sites around there. So kind of like, it's quite close to Stonehenge. There's Avesbury. And there's a lot of places in Cornwall as well. This, there's like a rock called Menantol, which is just this kind of circular rock with a hole in it. And they used to apparently pass women through one way to make them fertile, I think, or, like, to to increase fertility. And if you go the other way, it's sort of, like, it beckons death. So, like, people who are coming towards the end of their life will go the other way to sort of, like, pass through. It's quite interesting, but there's a lot of this kind of stuff. Like, um, there's like wooden circles as well, which you pass babies through to ensure they have a good life and things. And I, I was the only one of my siblings that wasn't passed through one, and I got tonsillitis for the first like ten years of my life, and I'm convinced that that's why. <laughs> it's so ridiculous.
0: <laughs> so yeah, tonsillitis. That was the beginning of it all. That was wasn't it. it. That's where it was like I'm convinced this is real. <laughs> the spirits are out for me. But
1: then like that ended up becoming quite a big theme in in this album at least, the one that I released last year. Um, Expand on that a little bit. uh, Yeah, I released this album last year called The Horganithe, which was a word that I made up from a misheard lyric. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of stuff in there about like tonsils and kind of like um, your body becoming something other than you and Mm. sort of like having to lean into that and like get to grips with these changes that are sort of outside yourself and sort of like, there's that moment in... Um, horror films where someone's like transforming and their mind kind of switches, and they're like, "Oh, I'm now I'm into this," and they uh-huh. become sort of evil, or like they they embody or inhabit this this other form that's sort of yeah bubbling up inside, like in The Fly. Ooh, oh my gosh!
0: And you in interviews you've mentioned a lot about um, gender and uh, women's roles and the patriarchy mm-hmm. and uh, trans identity in relationship to the imagery of, like, witches and spirituality and, like, anti-Christian, mm-hmm. like, lore.
1: Yeah, well, because I think for a long time, like, women have been kind of culturally associated with nature throughout, throughout like, art, culture, religion, music, all kinds of things. Like, you have that that painting of Ophelia lying in the lake and, like... Um, in sort of the Mabinogi, only have like the Lady of the Lake, all of this kind of stuff. These these women who inhabit and embody nature, which kind of implies that they are something to be, like taken and used. Mm. Yeah,
0: I oh. think I have a quote here I'd like to to read that you said. Um, it was in this quietest interview, mm-hmm. and you said, "In art, poetry, and even the sciences, throughout Western." history. Women have been seen as creatures of nature, which men are supposed to tame. You have this idea of wild women who are either tamed and observed. So there's all these paintings of naked women lying in grass, flowers and ponds, or it goes the other way and they're seen as witches.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's, there's like a connection between sort of the natural world and Satanism anyway as well because sort of Christianity was seen as one of the first like bastions of civilization in like kind of white modern western culture and so nature is sort of like that's where they they diverge and so nature becomes this other thing which women are inherently a part of and then they have to be brought into the world through Christianity through men through like being made into tools so there's this really fun sort of quite liberating idea of just actually going the other way and fully becoming like witchy and evil and just like saying fuck it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's outsider energy and mm-hmm. like going with almost the humor of it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean doing what Doja cats doing. It's being like you said I'm a witch? Cool. I'm a witch. Let's let's go. Right. Let's go full.
0: And the power of Doja's artistry and any artist that's willing to take all of that attention because they're that brilliant mm-hmm. can actually be like Flipped as like, oh, well, look at them. They have superpowers.
1: (laughs) Completely. And
0: yeah, they had the superpowers before as well. But (laughs) now they're playing the part for you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. While I was doing research for this interview, the magic of TikTok, it threw me in my FYP. This uh, young goth raver dressed person charging up their Burger King Whopper like it was a crystal. (laughs) What? it's incredible it's they're just like oh i'm charging my whopper like and they bring the whopper out and they eat it and it is like it was just like the perfect metaphor for where we're at with the culture totally which is like low low key yeah (laughs) charge your whopper go off but then also like i do feel like younger generations are having a lot of fun
1: remixing Mm -hmm. yeah it's the remixing definitely this like I don't know, this forbidden like mongrelization of cultures which should never have been close to each other even. And now it's just this like hybridized kind of monster. I love it.
0: Um, I would love to ask you about other people in your music scene or people that listeners might want to check out that are doing similar stuff when it comes to referencing Mm. all of these um, mythological or folkloric Touch points.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Bristol scene is really amazing for it. I think because of the proximity to these sort of like ancient sites and like, I think it was, a, is it Exeter? Um, where the, the last three witches of England were, were killed for being witches as well. But yeah, people in the scene who are doing similar stuff. I guess um, Monica Badley is really, really cool. Um, another artist from Bristol doing sort of like, it's a lot more noisy, really super intense, but they have this like midi horn that they play and they're, they're like tied up to the stage on chains, like, by all four limbs, (laughs) it's wild. It's, like, a really intense show. Yeah, Sade as well, um, a visual artist called X-Icon, is really, really all about this, like, um, cyber-sigilism stuff. All of, um, like, makes these huge wooden carvings and big swords and, like, does all this set design and prints and things and um, really, really cool CGI videos and stuff of, like... A lot of it links into... um, uh, like Jewish mysticism as well because their heritage is Jewish. So they kind of link a lot of it back to like um, the tree of life and all of these sort of like, um, <clears throat> yeah, ancient mystic. It's a v- it's very like Neon Genesis Evangelion kind of stuff. It's really, really cool.
0: Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> See, all these reference points crashing in on each other. It, I love yeah. it. I love it. I'm, well, thank you so much for coming in the studio today. Thank you so much for having me. And there was a lot to think about and (laughs) and talk about just from this conversation. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed hearing you speak, but they're going to enjoy your music even more. So we'll drop a link to your work in the show notes and have a wonderful Berlin afternoon. You too. (laughs) So another big thank you to Saracen for joining me in front of the mics. Now it's time to hit the news bits that mattered this week. african music rising remember a little while back when we talked about burn boy making history as the first african artist to ever sell out stadium shows in both the u.s. and the u.k he's already on to another milestone After dropping his album, I Told Them, he became the first Afrobeats artist to secure a number one album in the UK. It's yet another example of how new African music is getting some long overdue global love with artists like Burna Boy, Wizkid, Davido, Tiwa Savage, and Thames finding pop levels of mainstream success. It's not just individual artists driving the growth either. Spotify reported earlier this year that Ama Piano tracks generated close to two billion streams worldwide in 2022. African music is also unleashing an unprecedented revenue boom back at home. According to the IFPI, an organization that represents the global recorded music industry, in 2022, Sub-Saharan Africa was the world's fastest growing market with a record revenue increase of over 34%. Even the Grammys are giving credit where credit's due, though in classic Grammy fashion, they're way late to the game. In June, they added a new category for next year's award show, Best African Music Performance. We're happy to see it, but I really don't understand how there's never been a Grammy for that category, especially since there used to be an award for Best Polka Music. In the spirit of Virgil Abloh. The Fashion Show and Style Awards took over New York's Apollo Theater last week, celebrating designers of color and highlighting black excellence in fashion. Harlem's very own Aesop Rocky was in attendance, receiving the second annual Virgil Abloh Award. The award was launched in honor of the fashion designer and creative after he passed away from cancer in 2021. Aesop took the opportunity to pay tribute with a touching story of their first encounter. He remembered a night when he was underage, trying and failing to sneak into Le Bain nightclub in New York City but Rocky says Ablo recognized him and the rest of the Aesop mob on the street as the trendy kids from Harlem. He didn't say if they managed to get in the club, but it was an early vote of confidence before his first record deal and before he became the superstar he is today. Rocky took the moment to celebrate what it meant to see Ablo rise through the fashion ranks. Just to see Virgil. At LVMation to be the creative director Louis Vuitton in my years of living, a black creative director, and that shit really—it it reflected, man. I was just inspired. So I want to just say, rest in peace, Virgil, and um, Harlem, I love you. Thank you for making me me. You know what I'm saying? And I got a P. I ain't really got much to say. So. Rocky was the second person to receive the award after Issa Rae. He might also be the first ever person to ask to go to the bathroom during an acceptance speech. Laundering money with Spotify streams. It's extremely difficult to make money from Spotify as a musician, but what about if you're a criminal? According to a report by the Swedish newspaper Svenska Dagbladet, Swedish gangs allegedly use Spotify and streaming fraud to launder money. Citing four gang members and an anonymous police agent, the paper claimed that the gangs convert illegal income to crypto, which they then use to buy streams for artists with links to the gangs, and finally collect the money paid out by these streams. Spotify denied it all, saying that the story is largely a work of fiction and calling it far-fetched suggestions and hearsay. They also said that less than 1% of their streams are tampered with or should be considered artificial. But that doesn't match up with the wide knowledge of streaming fraud. A recent French study asserted that up to 3% of Spotify streams are faked and that's only the 3% that we actually know about. It might be hard to imagine that this is a lucrative racket given how little the site pays per stream, but organized crime is nothing if not creative and as long as the streaming sites aren't more transparent about how they track and detect fraud, people will always find ways to game the system at least as much as Spotify gamed artists by convincing them to sell their music for .003 cents on the dollar. Top Boy's grand finale. So I've barely had time to watch the new season of Top Boy, but it can't be ruled out that a Spotify streaming laundering scheme could be a storyline. As some of you might already know, last week the final season of Top Boy was released on Netflix. The first reviews are absolutely over the top, boy. Top Boy is a British crime drama series that centers around council housing in Hackney, London. It was created by Ronan Bennett, who problematically says that he was inspired to start writing the series after witnessing a 12-year-old boy dealing drugs at his local supermarket. Lol. Nevertheless, the show was properly developed and immediately gained cult status for music fans as one of the leading roles is played by Kane Robinson, AKA grime rapper Kano, one of the biggest names in the genre. The Guardian once called the series a touchstone in the music world, also because grime acts like Skepta were referring to the show on songs. Then, in 2019, Drake, a big fan of the show, helped reboot interest for the series after the UK's Channel 4 put it on ice. During a show at O2 Arena in London, Drake debuted a trailer for season three of Top Boy, revealing his role as executive producer for a Netflix original's version of the series. Top Boy gave non-Brits like me a crash course in the UK drill and road rap sounds that would eventually take the world by storm with Pop Smoke and Bronx drill queen Ice Spice. We're not sure which bops made it into the final season, but until then, no spoilers until I get my food, bruv.
1: Yo, my brother, you're hungry? Because I got food, fam, and a lot of it. I got the drop from Iceland today, still frozen thing. So tell told the man I got food in it. So,
0: by now you might know, at the end of our show is a recommendation segment, and this week I want to recommend you consider a donation to the newly announced fundraising drive for the iconic queer nightclub The Stud in San Francisco. Before becoming the first cooperatively owned nightclub in America, The Stud had a rich history dating back to 1966, when it was a local hangout for the Hell's Angels, goth singer Susie Sue, and the fringiest bent hippie artists. In 1996, it became the home of one of the most influential American drag shows created by Heklina. On those Tuesday nights, you could see RuPaul or Lady Gaga perform for what was likely 50 U.S. dollars. In recent years, the stud gained new notoriety for its forward-thinking drag performance nights, fetish and activist gatherings, and after-hours techno parties, with artists like Ben UFO, Vladimir Ivkovich, The Hacker, and PC Music's QT. So greedy landlords and the pandemic forced the doors shut on the stud, but a crew of DJs, writers, drag queens, politicians, and artists have just signed a new lease for a new location. 90% of nightclub spaces are run by capital D dudes, so the stud collective is pushing against the grain to keep a vital symbol of queer history not just running, but looking and sounding world-class. Check out the show notes to find out more about the iconic space and how to help it grow into its next phase. that's all for the week this week. Thank you for locking in. We're back here next Thursday. Take care and remember to stop scrolling. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories.